Welcome to the Mothers of Misfits podcast. Join me for conversations about how to advocate for our kids in a one-size-fits-all world. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Welcome back, everybody. So excited to have you here for another episode of the Mothers of Misfits podcast. We're joined by Andy Storch today. He's a husband and father who's on a mission to get the absolute most out of life and inspire others to do the same. He's an author, speaker, consultant, coach, and connector, as well as the host of two podcasts. And I have no idea how you fit that all in a day, Andy. (laughs) You should share with us that too. But I highly recommend his book, Own Your Career, Own Your Life. Andy, thanks so much for coming on. Well, thanks so much for having me. I'm honored and excited. And especially honored because uh, the show is called Mothers of Misfit, and, and I am not a mother, full disclosure. Yeah, we'll let the dads in too. You're allowed in. It's for all awesome. parents. Well, this is fun because you and I actually spend a lot of our time talking to professionals and helping them get the most out of their career and life. But yeah. we're talking about our kids, of course. And I know you and I share the value and see the importance of setting our kids up for success in life as early on as possible. And a lot Mm -hmm. of those lessons that I think some people sadly, or maybe even many people don't learn until later in life or until they're into their careers. You and I really feel like these are things that they should learn in grade school even. So I want to talk about how you bring those business and personal development lessons to your kids. Yeah, happy to. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. This This is a topic that I am incredibly passionate about and interested in. And yet you're right. I don't get to talk to a lot of people about it as much because I'm mostly talking to professionals about their careers. I'm working with companies, big companies on talent development. I run leadership development programs, helping executives become better leaders, things like that. And and there are a lot of skills that translate directly to parenting. That said, you know, I got really into personal development back in 2016 and the group that where I really grew the most was I joined a group for dads run by a guy named Larry Hagner, who has a huge podcast called The Dad Edge, which is a dad's podcast. And he runs a big membership community. And I was a member of that for a few years, made so many great friends and bonded over, you know, the different ways we can be better husbands and fathers and, and things like that. So I've learned a lot over the years. And I do really look for ways to translate a lot of the lessons into parenting and bring that to my kids while also trying not to force things upon them. So, uh, you know, a few things that are really important to me that I, I try to, you know, I guess more or less push on my kids without forcing, right? And then my wife is aligned with me on as well. I would say number one is having a growth mindset, which comes from the book Mindset by Dr. Carol Dweck, which was a big game changer for me in business and life and parenting. And we can go deeper onto, you know, what that means versus having fixed mindset and, you know, influencing them to think more about learning and growth and improvement than getting an A or doing the best or being the best or, you know, something like that being successful. So that's a really big one for me. And it's hard too, as a parent, because you want them to be the best and do the best, etc. But really, I place a bigger importance on learning and growth. And so I talk with them a lot about that. Curiosity and learning is another big one. It's how I'm wired and my wife the same way. Like I need to be learning all the time. And I discovered when I got into personal development in 2016 that something had been missing in my life. And it was the fact that I wasn't spending enough time learning on a regular basis. It wasn't growing enough. And so when I got really into personal development, personal growth and started reading more, listening to more podcasts, investing in online courses and 
communities and masterminds and coaches and things like that, then I started to become a lot more fulfilled. So I want to instill that in my kids too, to kind of keep this curiosity to always be learning. There is no end. There is no being an expert. There's no, oh, I already figured it all out. So I can't learn anymore. If I hear either of them ever say like, oh, I already know this, or I've got this figured out, I will be quick to correct them. They're like, no, you can always learn more. Like you're not, you are a pretty good swimmer, but we can take you taking classes and become a better swimmer, right? You're pretty good at reading, but we can always get better at reading. I can get better at reading and swimming, right? And I'm 41 years old and I know I can, right? And I can get better at anything that I do. And so those are the two biggest things. And then the other one that I'm you know, trying to instill on a regular basis, I would say is more connected to love, gratitude, kindness, just being kind and generous with everyone we come in contact with, being inclusive, you know, having that kind of that mindset that everybody is equal and we treat everybody fair and with kindness and with love. And that it we will come into some challenges, but we can overcome any of them when we have great people around us and we treat people well. Uh, they'll treat us well as well again. So those are probably the three biggest things I'm trying to instill in my kids on a regular basis. I won't say they're always embracing them, but that's the regular challenge and the things that are important to me. So you just said a bunch of awesome stuff in there. I want to I want to break those down a bit more. And first, let's start with that concept of always learning and always being curious. How do you, in practical terms, inspire your kids to do that? Because I talk all the time about, you know, you can't force another person to be motivated. You can create Mm. conditions or an environment that would foster motivation, but you really can't make somebody else be motivated to do something. And I'm thinking about my own kids and they've come home from a long day of school. And the last thing they might want to do is read a book or learn some more. And how do you really create those conditions for your kids to have that curious mind all of the time. Yeah. I think for any and all of these things, it starts with the language that we use. So we have to get our ourselves in this mindset of we can always be learning, we can always be growing, being curious. Because kids watch what we do and they listen to what we say in sort of like day to day more than just like what we tell them to do, right? If you tell them one thing, you say like, you need to be learning all the time but I'm just, you know, mindlessly watching Netflix with all my free time, that sends a strong signal that what I say is really not that important, right? So they see me meditating every day. They see me reading books, both my wife and I reading books regularly and looking for opportunities to learn. They hear the language that I use, which is that I'm always looking for opportunities to learn. We can always learn. We can get better at things. And then (laughs) this is kind of a funny one, but, you know, they do love to watch YouTube and play games on their iPads. Both my kids have iPads, thanks to their grandmother. And uh, so we kind of push them more towards learning games and learning videos. It's not always the case, right? But like starting with that, and my kids are pretty young, they're seven and five. So like, I know it would be harder to like, if you were making this transformation transition with teenagers that like you've let them do whatever. And now all of a sudden, you know, everything has to be about learning. But you know, showing them that there's they're learning games that are fun. And those are most of the games that we let them play. And to the point that like my daughter's addicted to this like word search game. She wants to play all the time, right? And I almost act sometimes like, oh, you can't do too much of that. But I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. You're playing, like, you're learning new words all the time, which is cool. They play these math games on their iPads. And like, those are the games that they're exposed to. And then they do watch some mindless stuff on YouTube. It's not like it's all learning all the time. 
but I'll say, Hey, you've had enough of this. Like if you want to keep watching TV or YouTube, it's gotta be, you gotta be learning about something, right? It could be the solar system or math or brain games or, or whatever it may be. And so they'll take advantage of that so that they can still have their screen time, right. And still be able to watch some stuff. So I think that's part of it, but a lot of it is the language. It's the culture, right. That you create in your household. So like we have a culture of learning and I will, like I said earlier, correct them and say things like, Hey, we can always learn more. Like if I catch you saying, Oh, you already know how to swim really well. You don't need to take any more classes. Like that's not true, right? Because you can definitely get better unless you're in the Olympics, you can get better at swimming, right? We also talk about practice a lot. So when I hear and say like, Oh, someone, so-and-so is better than me at X or you're better than me. I talk a lot about practice and experience versus intelligence or capability, right? So if I, if you, someone is, or so-and-so is better at playing that game or they're better at drawing or they're better at swimming, I always go back to, well, that's probably because they practice a lot more than you. And so how do we get better? We practice, right? So I talk about the word practice a lot, that if you want to get better at something, you've got to put in the time to it. Now, you and I are both adults. We know that there are innate capabilities we have. There's some things that I guess to go back to the swimming example, right? I could probably go to my gym, my Y and swim every day for hours a day. And I'm not ever going to be in the Olympics, right? Because I'm just, you know, maybe I don't have the capability. I'm also starting from 41, right? It's probably too late, right? Or I could, I could probably hire a singing coach and practice and get better at singing. And I would get a lot better, but I would probably never be like a pop star, right? I would never be like a famous musician. That's okay. There are certain things that we may never achieve. We may not be the best in the world, but we could always get better. We can always improve. And that's what I want to make sure that I instill that like with practice and experience, we can always get better. And that goes back to the growth mindset concept. And I know one of the pillars of growth mindset is to tack on the word yet. So if we yeah. say, or our kids say, well, I'm not good at that yet. Yet. I right. don't know how to solve that math problem yet. Yet. And that yeah. little word can make a big difference. The other yep. thing that you did there in equating it to a difference in practice rather than innate ability is creating an expectation that they can improve. And that mm -hmm. it's not just a matter of, well, I was born that way or I wasn't born that way. Or yep. the default is I'm a good swimmer or I'm not a good swimmer because that's very anti-growth mindset. Those are just yep. a, a label. You are, you are not versus yep, you can get better with practice or you can right. become a better swimmer, a better mathematician, whatever it is. And it's something you can affect. It's something that you can improve and have control over versus something that's just determined for you from the outset. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the growth mindset and what you're talking about. The opposite, of course, is the fixed mindset. If you haven't read the book, uh, Mindset by Dr. Carol Dweck, highly recommend it. I have a whole chapter dedicated to it in my book um, about mindset. I think it's so important for operating in life, running a business, your career, and especially parenting. But like you said, the big difference is with a fixed mindset, we believe we're either good at something or we're not. If we fail at something, then that probably means we're not very good at it. We should probably move on and try something else. And if, you know, someone says that we're smart, then we are. If, if they don't, then we're not. Versus with a growth mindset, we can always try anything. We can always get better at anything. We can always practice and improve. And to take that a step further, you know, one of my mantras as an entrepreneur is that there is no such thing as failure. With a growth mindset, there's no such thing as failure. There's only learning and growth. 
right? And so that means we can always learn and improve. And one of the hard transitions to make as a parent, if you really want to influence your kids to grow up with a growth mindset, and I had to make this shift. And I first heard about it on uh, that dad podcast I mentioned many years ago from a guy named Larry Yach, who is a retired uh, Marine uh, officer who has become a good friend. And he said that, you know, in order to instill this growth mindset, we need to be willing to praise effort over results. And that's a real hard one, right? But when your kid is playing in that sporting event or studying for a test or whatever it is, instead of like, oh, you got an A, great job. You know, if they get the A in the test saying, great, I'm so proud of you, you got an A, or they hit a home run or they scored a touchdown or whatever, I'm so proud of you. It's praising the, I saw how much effort you put into that. And I don't care what the result is, whether you got A, B, C, I'm really proud that you put so much effort in that you tried. And so I'm always doing that with my kids when I see them working hard to do something, no matter what the result is, I'm so proud that you kept trying and you kept, you know, you fell down and you kept trying to get better. You were trying to ride your bike or you're trying to swim or you're trying to, you know, learn this thing and that you kept practicing and you kept trying. That's what I'm really proud of. And so like when they're done with a game or something and my kids don't play a lot of sports, but I might ask them the questions I ask are more towards, did you try really hard and did you have fun? And I think that's going to lead to more happiness and fulfillment later on. I'm so glad you brought up praising the effort instead of the result, because what happens in our brains is there's a three-part process to go from Mm. sitting on the couch resting to getting a productive result. And these are almost entirely subconscious. Most of us aren't aware it's even happening. What we see oftentimes is when there's a breakdown, then we know something's wrong. But even then, not everyone is aware of where the breakdown's happening. But the very first thing that has to happen for an individual of any age, our kids or adults alike, to take purposeful action, we have to be motivated. We have Mm. to be engaged. We have to care. We have to go all in. And when we do that, then we put forth effort and we engage our innate problem solving instincts that looks different for each of us, but we engage that instinctual problem solving nature in all of us. And then the third part of the process is to apply our skills, our our experience, our training. And when all three parts work together, again, we get to that end result. And when our kids put forth that high level of that shows they're engaged, they're motivated, that they're flexing their problem-solving muscles. And it might be that that last piece, maybe there was a little bit of a gap in skills, maybe there was a little bit of gap in understanding, but that's the easiest part to solve for. But seeing our kids show up, go all in, practice doing what comes most naturally for them is what's so important for them to feel confident in and feel like they're capable of tackling whatever comes their way. The other thing on that topic that really hit home for me was the danger in telling your kids they're smart, which really can lead to imposter syndrome. Because if they believe they're smart, and it's not a matter of working for it or not working for it, and when it happens, because it's not if, when they take that test that they don't do so well on, Or that paper that they didn't get a good grade on. Suddenly they question, was I always Mm -hmm. lied to? Am I really smart? What's my identity? Mm -hmm. Who am I? 
And that's a really scary, dangerous place to get to. So honor the effort, not the labels of you are smart, because that can Mm -hmm. um, have some really unintended consequences. Yeah, I try to avoid ever using that. You know, and I know my kids, my kids are both pretty advanced and I know they hear it probably from other people, even their teachers. And um, so we try to avoid ever saying like, oh, you're smart or saying that any other kids are smart or not smart. It's more about the effort they put in the practice. It's really hard, right? There's like societal norms around that. So you're like really pushing against it. It's almost like the same thing with like, I have a daughter and I will struggle to almost never tell her that she's pretty right? I want to focus more on other things that she can do things about, right? Like, I am so impressed with how hard you worked. You're very adventurous. You're very curious. I try to focus on those things. And every now and then something like that might slip out, right? But you don't want to spend too much time praising things that the kids can't do anything about, right? Oh, it's great that you're so tall, or you're so pretty, or whatever, (laughs) right? It's more about like, what are the things they can work to improve? Because you want to encourage that effort and practice. And so yeah, we're very aligned on that. Third piece, which was kindness, compassion, if I heard correctly, how do you, in practical terms, develop that in your kids? Mm, That's well, that's another one that, again, I think kids are going to watch what you do versus more than what you say, right? So I try to model that in the world. My wife and I are both very, I like to think we're very kind to people. We're always looking for ways to help people. And everybody does that in different ways, you know, whether you're actively volunteering or giving back to your community, or you're just very kind to friends, or you just say hello to people wherever you go. We try to do a lot of those things and model that kind behavior and that we're always being kind to others and with each other, to each other as well. You know, that idea that love is very important and connection with other people. And I talk about the importance of building relationships and, you know, talking to people and having conversations. And I also talk about the importance of gratitude. Now that doesn't always stick. My kids are pretty young. My daughter especially has been resistant to that when I ask her like, hey, let's write down some things that you're grateful for today. But I have a gratitude practice that has helped me get through many things. And so I will talk about, you know, we're out in the world. I'm so grateful for this day and our family and what we have. And just kind of slowly instill that this is something to, you know, to pay attention to. This is something that's important to us. And, you know, again, the kids are young, might be a little resistant to some of that stuff right now, but I'm having faith that if we talk about it enough without like forcing it on them, pushing it on them, that's going to be instilled in them. And that's something they'll remember or look back to. But I think it's really about, again, modeling and language, right? I mean, you're someone I know, Emily, who is, I mean, we've talked a few times that you're a very kind and generous and giving person who is always trying to help other people around them. That's why you started this podcast, right? And so you model that for your kids. And again, we can do that in different ways. But if you're someone that you're saying that's important, But then you get in arguments with people, you're talking badly about others, right? Like, oh, our neighbor is such a jerk, he blah, blah, blah. Like, no, you can't do that because they're going to see that's how we operate in the world. That like we criticize or complain about other people. So I'm very much against complaining, having a victim mindset, criticizing others. I try to avoid all of those things. I don't want them to see me do those things. I'm also big on personal responsibility as well, which is one that I, I have a hard time with with the kids right now with my daughter, especially, but you know, not blaming others when you make mistakes. So I will always take personal responsibility. And my wife is the same in front of my kids as well. Like if I make a mistake, admit I made a mistake, or I don't know what I'm doing, or I'm learning this right along with you. And you know, learn that it's okay, as long as we're learning and trying to get better. That's all that's all that matters. I'd love to hear from you. 
What do you most often hear people say, gosh, I wish I knew that when I was just starting out? Yeah, it's an interesting question. But the, by the way, the most, I came out with my book six months ago, the most common feedback I've heard from people who have read my book is I wish I had this when I was younger. And my response is, yeah, I do too. That's why I wrote the book, right? <laughs> I wish I had that as well. What I think is the most common is people realizing that they have more control over their life and their career than they think and more control over their own happiness and fulfillment than they think, right? And that's something that we can potentially instill in our kids because in the society we live in, so many people let others dictate their happiness, right? Like, well, let's what others think about me is going to dictate whether I'm happy or sad or, you know, if I don't like my job, I'm not, I'm unhappy, my boss is a jerk or my friends are not kind to me, I'm having trouble in my family. And really like kind of, or when I get that promotion or hit that goal, then I'll be happy when we can actually choose to be happy now. Now everybody's in different situations, right? But we can also teach our kids to like be, to be grateful for what we have now, to enjoy the journey, to realize that we're all different. We're all doing different things and to choose that happiness and kindness and love and not rely on other people for that. The other big one I'd say, the big revelation for me, and then I think for other people as well, is that you get to choose how you spend your time and you get to choose if you are, you know, doing productive things that help you maybe achieve your goals versus things that are not very productive. And there's a lot of people kind of drifting through society, through life, doing what their parents tell them to do or what society, they think society things we need to do. And this might include smoking, drinking, watching a lot of sports, watching a lot of TV, you know, nothing inherently wrong with some of these things, but they can really take over your life and become serious time wasters. And when you have big goals and you have a family, then I think you need to be a lot more careful with how and where you're spending your time and be honest about how and where you're spending your time and that, hey, family is important to me. So I'm going to spend time with my family, right? Or... I'm trying to achieve these goals. So I'm going to spend time working on these goals. And when I was in my 20s, I spent a lot of time watching sports. And again, nothing wrong with it. But looking back, like what a waste of time it was. And it didn't really get me anywhere. And so now that I'm older and uh, I'm running a business and a brand and I have a family, I'm not really spending much time doing that because I'd rather spend my time with my family or working on my business or you know, trying to move things forward, trying to achieve my goals and make an impact in the world, help other people, things that I find are a lot more fulfilling because I think all fulfillment comes from contribution and growth. So finding ways to grow or contribute. And I want to show my kids that that's how, I, how we choose to operate. And hopefully they are inspired to live their life the same way. I remember my parents would tell me things like, well, if you don't, find that job opportunity that you're looking for, well, go create the opportunity. It was mm. always, there's no nice. excuse. Just go create the thing right. that you can't find or go create the opportunity that you don't see available. Yeah. It was always like, there's always another option. There's always another door. You just have to be the one to create it or open it for yourself. There was never a, uh, I can't. And that was such a powerful way to think. Uh, yeah. And so I never really grew up seeing obstacles, or I guess they were just, they weren't, they weren't total deal breakers. It was just, okay, I just got to figure out how to navigate around this one. Totally. Yeah, that is awesome. I mean, to really show them that like anything is possible. Yeah. And if you try hard enough and it doesn't work out, then, you know, maybe you try something else. And if the opportunity isn't there, 
maybe you go make it, right? Something else too that I think is really important in parenting and, and that's letting your kids make mistakes and fail and learn from those, letting them fall down. And that's one of the hardest things to do as a parent. It goes back to the growth mindset. I want them to be willing to ask for help as well. I think one of my biggest struggles through a lot of my life, I think my, <laughs> my mom did a great job of teaching me to be independent. I think almost to the point that like I was afraid to ask anybody for help for many years. And so I want them to be open and willing to ask other people for help because I think that's so, so important. It's a big part of my success is being able to get help from others, but also want them to be able to look, you know, pick themselves up and not because I'm not always going to be there, right? We're not always going to be right there to pick them up or save them or stop them from running into the swing or whatever. And um, so letting them fall and make mistakes, it's hard, but I think it, it prepares them for encountering challenges later in life. Well, Andy, this has been such an awesome conversation. Lots of practical stuff that we can implement yeah. right away and also good things for us as parents to do on a daily basis. So thanks so much for coming on and sharing your story and giving us some great advice today, Andy. Well, thank you, Emily, for having me. I really appreciate it. These are topics, like I said, I really care about. I hope somebody takes a nugget, you know, try something. We're all going to make mistakes and fail as parents. Nobody knows what the heck they're doing, but we just keep learning and growing just like our kids, right? And we'll get better. Exactly. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Mothers of Misfits podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. We also invite you to visit us at mothersofmisfits.com.